This is Prevent Defense, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Prevent Defense podcast. Really excited to get going because, Baldy, we have real actual week one football to talk about. Baldy, man, I know you were in Cleveland this past week, but just overall week one, like, what was your biggest takeaway from the league? I know you've watched every game so far, but just biggest takeaway so far now that football is officially, we can say it, now that football is back. Well, I thought that we would see a lot of bad football. We saw a lot of bad football, and we saw yeah. a lot of a lot of teams that were not crisp, weren't sharp, didn't execute, took a while to kind of get things going, and you kind of expect that, you know, because so many teams now uh, are not putting their starters out there on the field in preseason, and they're just kind of waiting. Now, Patrick Mahomes is, <laughs> is a little bit different in Kansas City, uh, but he played in preseason. He played in the third preseason game. Uh, against San Francisco and, you know, had uh, 10 straight completions. So, um, you know, he played. And you could tell the difference in teams that played their starters and teams that didn't play their starters. And I thought uh, that showed up on Sunday, uh, especially in Cleveland, where they didn't play any of their starters in preseason. I think they overvalued what they think their offensive line was, especially minus Kevin Zeitler. And it showed up on Sunday. And they were not good outside of the first drive of the game. So one person that hasn't played football in a long time, Antonio Brown. Of course, his new team absolutely annihilates the Pittsburgh Steelers. They look like they, I mean, Tom Brady always plays in the preseason, but they're always ready to go. They don't look like they need Antonio Brown, but it's hard to say any team wouldn't want to add, I would say, probably top three receiver in the league, if not number one. Um, I think adding him, I think it's going to work out. I think with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, anything Anything will work, honestly. They've shown they have basically a flawless system up there. But I wanted to get your take on, first of all, just the drama that surrounds that. I mean, as a former player, just how big of a distraction do you think that was to the Raiders? Obviously, they come out and they win against the Broncos in week one. But just what were your thoughts about Antonio Brown leaving uh, the Raiders? Do you think they made a right call to release him? And now he's in uh, New England. What do you think about this whole situation? Well, they didn't want that to happen. Um, you know, Mike, I know Mike Mayock very well. I'm at NFL Films. Me and Mike worked here a long time. I've known yeah. Mike a long time. That he, That's not how he wants to build a team with, you know, people like that that aren't about the team. They're about themselves. And, you know, maybe the culture was wrong in Oakland. Maybe it will be better in New England. Um, I have seen receivers go to New England. And everybody says kind of the same what you said, which isn't wrong, that, oh, with Belichick and Brady and the locker room will make it work. Well, I – It didn't work for Ocho Cinco. It worked for Randy Moss. Uh, It's working for Josh Gordon. But you could tell that Brady, regardless of the demons that that Josh Gordon has battled for a long time going back to Baylor, um, you could tell that Tom Brady not just likes him, but he trusts him. And it shows up in every game that he plays. Last year and then, of course, week one against Pittsburgh. Uh, Brady feels like he can throw him the ball and he trusts that he's going to make a tremendous effort to go get the ball. We don't know yet if Brady's going to trust him. I've, I've seen Julian Edelman run the wrong route, and Brady had the ball intercepted against Buffalo one year, and Edelman went to the corner of the principal's office, and he didn't come out the rest of the day. In fact, I don't know that he caught a pass for the next couple of weeks. And you could just tell that Brady put him in the doghouse. Like, it's just unaccepted. And so mm-hmm. I have seen players struggle with it. Now, Edelman obviously – Came out of that doghouse. He's been a great performer for him. But I think it was a good lesson learned early in his career. 
And we'll see because, you know, Antonio Brown will pout. And, you know, Tom Brady could care less if you pout. Like, he just wants to win. And he yeah. has a way to play, get players to play up and play better and play hard. Now, Jacoby Myers has been a great acquisition for them. Um, he was great in preseason. He caught a pass the other day. It seems like Brady likes him. You'll know pretty quickly if this experiment, and I think that's what it is at this point, an experiment, we'll know pretty quickly if this is going to work in New England. So you use the word pout, and I think that's a good word, probably a bit of an understatement when you look at what he's been through. I, I think one difference in New England for Antonio Brown could be when he was with the Steelers, he felt like he was the best player on that team. He felt they desperately needed him. I mean, when he got mad about not winning player of the month, right? Like he needed that feeling of, okay, I'm the, the guy there. Obviously going to the Oakland Raiders, uh, a roster that we'll probably agree has some talent, but not one of the more talented rosters in the league. He went there saying, okay, I'm the man, I'm AB. I think going to New England will be good for him in two ways. One, his career, I don't want to say it's on the line, but after the PR hit he's taken, his reputation over the last month, he needs New England to work out more than the Patriots need it to work out. The Patriots can move on from him, and they probably still are in the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl this year. They look that good against the Steelers. And the receivers look good. Josh Gordon looked good. Philip Dorsett had that touchdown. But Antonio Brown needs this to work out. So I do think in that regards, it, it will it will end up working out because of how bad Antonio Brown needs it to. But my question for you is this, and I'm going to play off of a thought that Ross Tucker, of course, from Home and Home, the Radio.com show, had that Antonio Brown can be a bit of a freelancer at times with his routes. You know, he, he'll he'll improvise. Tom Brady obviously has been running this offense for a really long time, best quarterback in the league. Do you see a potential problem there? Like from a purely X's and O's standpoint, not off the field, just X's and O's, how does Antonio Brown fit into this Patriots offense? Well, I think he fits in. I, I don't agree with Ross' take on it. Um I, I believe he freelanced because Ben extended plays in ways that not many quarterbacks can. And when the play got extended beyond the X's and O's, that's when Antonio Brown broke off. Uh, like a lot of great receivers, uh, Terrell Owen was probably the best ever uh, at doing it. When the play broke down, broke down, Antonio Brown wanted to score. He wanted the big play. He caught a lot of big plays and a lot of touchdowns when plays broke down. Brady isn't a, a he isn't like Ben Roethlisberger. He doesn't run around in extend plays like that he'll work from the pocket um he'll parry a punch the way a boxer will uh and he'll take a punch to make a throw so i don't think that's going to be a big problem i don't i i i think that there is part of tom uh, of antonio brown as crazy as he was this summer that he's now playing with the best quarterback this you can debate where ben fits in that profile Certainly Derek Carr isn't in that conversation, uh, but Tom Brady is the conversation. So yeah. he now yeah. has a chance to play with the best of all time, at least the best in, in, in our lifetime, watching a guy, you know, year in, year out for 20 years. Uh, he's playing with the best. And I think that will motivate Antonio Brown as much as anything. He's playing with the best coach and he's playing with the best quarterback. And I do think there's a part of that that will make him fall in line and a big part of following his line is I'm curious to see if he keeps his whole social media presence the way that he has, uh, because it would lead to his downfall in Oakland for sure. And a lot of things that he posted that won't play in New England. So I'm curious to see if he's willing to put that part of him aside to go win games and win a championship.
Yeah, I mean, I, there was a yeah, report from ESPN that he was trying to use his social media to get out of Oakland. So if that was the case, then it certainly worked. And I agree. I don't think uh, what's what's big Bill Belichick call it like uh, snap face or something. I, I don't yeah. think Bill Belichick is going to be uh, very keen on Antonio Brown using his social media in New England. But look, Antonio Brown didn't play last week. They absolutely demolished the Steelers. They continue just to absolutely own the Steelers. The Chiefs go into Jacksonville and get a pretty convincing win. Now, Nick Foles obviously suffers the broken collarbone. He's going to be out a while. It was 10-7 to when he left, so a little bit closer. But the Chiefs go in and just annihilate the, the Jaguars at the end of the day. With Antonio Brown on the Patriots now, is it over? I mean, is this team going to win the Super Bowl? Can anybody even compete with them at this point? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one game. And okay. they'll, they'll go through some ups and downs. We saw Tom Brady have some bad games last year. Tennessee whipped them in Tennessee. So, I mean, they, they came out and they looked great. And it's just one week, though. I mean, we've seen, we've seen other teams look great in week one and, you know, not finish. So they all know that it's a long ways away. They had a great young draft. And a lot of those kids were on the field. Uh, we'll see if Isaiah Wynn can hold up. We'll see if the third center that they've had in there this year can hold up. They'll, you know, we'll, there'll be a lot of, they'll be tested many times uh, during the season before anybody, you know, pronounces them as the Super Bowl 54 champs. So obviously if the Patriots will repeat is one of the biggest questions coming into this season. But there's lots of other questions with the NFL too. NFL is back. It's September. And you know what that means, Baldy. The NFL on CBS is back as well. Will the Patriots repeat? Is this Cowboy? Is this the Cowboys' year? Will Patrick Mahomes be able to lead the Chiefs to a championship? Who is going to win the NFC East between the Eagles and the Cowboys? You can get all the answers to those questions when you stream your local games live every Sunday with CBS All Access, available across all your favorite devices. You can go to cbs.com insider to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Once again, Baldy, that is cbs.com insider, and you get one free week trial of CBS All Access. Baldy, you have all the access across the league. You were lucky enough to be in Cleveland this week, one of the biggest talked about teams leading into the season. Not the best game, but you there, you were there. You saw the Browns. Was it uglier in person than it looked on TV? Because all Cleveland fans must have been sitting there and saying, here we go again. Well, I never saw – I mean, it was an incredible hype. You know, just walking into First Energy Stadium, seeing the tailgaters that started lining up a couple days before – uh, this is the, the whole build up to the game. And then the opening drive of the Browns where Baker was sensational and they marched right down the field and punched it in against Tennessee and were up seven, nothing. And it was, it was a phenomenal start. Um, and that's about as far as it went. The, they had 18 penalties. I haven't seen a team commit 18 penalties and it was the type of penalties. It was dumb penalties. It was penalties where they, they just didn't hold their poise. I mean, Miles Garrett threw a punch at Delaney Walker. And their left tackle, Greg Robinson, kicked, uh, you know, one of the safeties. I, I think it was uh, Kenny Vaccaro. I mean, just a violent kick and got thrown out of the game. And, you know, it was there wasn't a special teams play where they weren't penalized. Um, you know, it was just – and so they were constantly – they were one for ten on third down, Elliot. They couldn't stay on the mm -hmm. field. They, they were constantly in third and longs. And if Baker Mayfield and that offense can't run play action – uh, and to get the ball down the field, because they didn't have one deep ball throw the whole day. They didn't even attempt one. If they can't take those shots and play to Baker's strengths, then, then you know, you, you're a 14-point offense basically like they were. I mean, they missed the extra point on their opening kick or opening touchdown. So 
it was all bad. Uh, they had an opportunity to get back and in. They, they cut the lead to 15 to 13. And then Derrick Henry took a 75 yard screen down and uh, punched it in. The pursuit was terrible. The effort was awful. And, you know, the next thing you know, Tennessee took control of the game. And then Baker playing catch up, you know, had a poor fourth quarter. But I, I still believe that the team could be good. The talent is really good. The one area that I questioned going into the season was they didn't make any effort to upgrade the offense line. In fact, with the yeah. trade for Olivier Vernon, they lost Kevin Zeitler, who was their best offensive lineman. They cut Greg Robinson at the cutdown, and then they re-signed him. There's not another team in the league that would cut their starting uh, left tackle only on a promise, wink, wink, that they're going to re-sign him. They would, no team would ever do that uh, just to get another player on the roster. But Certainly maybe, not if your left tackle is any good. You don't do something like that. You don't yeah, expose I him mean, to waivers, right? And so, you know, they dressed seven offensive linemen. Robinson gets hurt. Their backup, Kendall Lamb, gets hurt. They're playing their right tackle, Chris Hubbard, at left tackle. They're playing their seventh offensive lineman at right tackle, who's a guard. I mean, it was they were all out of sorts. But there is time to, to regroup. They played the Jets on Monday night. The Jets had a horrendous offensive day. Uh, I'm sure that uh, this is not going to be a great-looking game. Uh, but I'll say this. I, I wouldn't write Cleveland off by any stretch, and I wouldn't write Baker off. I'm a big fan. I think they'll have plenty of good Sundays out there and a Monday night before the season's over. So my biggest concern from what I just heard you say was you talk about the discipline, not really liking some of the not taking shots down the field. Freddie Kitchens coming into this season had more pressure on him than I think almost any other head coach in the NFL in what is his first season as an NFL head coach. I know he was with the Browns last year, but he was not the head coach. Undisciplined, offense not looking good. Did, did we overlook maybe how easy it would be for Freddie Kitchens to control this team? Because, look, I'm a huge Baker guy as well. If I was starting a team, he'd be near the top of my list of guys I would want. But obviously he has a huge personality. Odell, we know he has a personality. Jarvis Landry. I mean, this team is – there's a lot to manage with them. And to come out like that in week one, like, is Freddie Kitchens in over his head? We don't know. We don't know what a lot of coaches – you know, early in their careers, when they get promoted either from a coordinator spot or in Freddie Kitchen's case, you know, from the running backs coach to uh, the interim offensive coordinator to the head coach. And we don't know until they're in that spot and how they handle the situations. I think how they handle this week after the drubbing they took and let's face it, that fan base is going right now. It's the same old Browns like they bought into the whole of the hype. They were all there. They all had their. Odell Beckham Jr. jerseys on, their Baker Mayfield jerseys on. They had they had all they had the the blimp over the 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 stadium on Sunday. They had all that stuff going on. It's going to take a long time to get those fans back. It's not going to happen with one win or two. It's going to take maybe a half a season of really good football to get those fans back to where they were at the crescendo Sunday before that kick. So they've got a lot to to fix and really. We're going to get a good look at Freddie, and he'll be under the microscope on Monday night and how his team responds. Because if they play more undisciplined football, then a lot of people, uh, not just me and you on a podcast here, Elliot, that, you know, this is a nationwide movement now that people are listening to. Exactly. Yeah, uh, don't diminish the prevent defense audience. Not at all. No, this this audience is probably glo going global real quickly here. So, but we, we there will be, everybody will be uh, looking at Freddie Kitchens after this week, the small town kid from Gadsden, Alabama, who's now the head coach in the NFL, 
an improbable route, you know, to get there. But how he manages this week and how they perform Monday night will go a long ways to what the future of Freddie Kitchens is. So one head coach that's definitely not on the hot seat after week one, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore for the Dallas Cowboys. I got a chance to watch every snap of that game. I got to tell you, I think, look, it wasn't Dak's biggest win of his career, obviously. He has a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. He has a playoff win. But I think it might have been one of the best games we've seen him play. He just looked so comfortable back there in the pocket. They just jump all over the Giants in the second half. Amari Cooper with a long touchdown. Uh, Jason Witten gets back in the end zone. Ezekiel Elliott didn't even touch the ball that much. I think he had 13 carries. They still have no problem putting points on the board. My biggest takeaway from that Cowboys game is anyone that thinks the Eagles are walking to that NFC's title is sorely mistaken. I think the Cowboys might be better than the Eagles right now. They looked that good. What was your takeaways from the first game of seeing the Cowboys offense with Kellen Moore at the helm? Well, I spent two days out in Oxnard this summer with the Cowboys, and I watched their walkthroughs, and I watched their practices, and I watched the scrimmage. And I watched the motions and the shifting and everything that they were doing, and I thought this is going to be the perfect offense for Dak. And then I talked to Dak after one of the practices, and he was smiling ear to ear. And when you watched him on Sunday against the Giants, he is so meticulous in making sure every single shift is proper. That, because there's like sometimes they ran four shifts one time just to run a three-count screen to Zeke and to get the Giants in the look that they wanted. And every single detail about the mechanics of that team's shifts and motions and then the ball handling that goes with it. I mean, he is he's like a conductor in a symphony. And, and that's what it looked like. And I think he's having a great time doing it all because he is a very detailed player. He's always been. He's always had poise. He's always been really detailed about his work. And now I think he really believes that the coach calling the plays, he has way more than a clue. I mean, the Cowboys are going to have a hard time keeping Kellen Moore because he's going to be head coach material. You could just tell the way that how crisp that offense ran and worked. Mm-hmm. And I don't care that the Giants were they, they didn't look like they had an NFL defense out there. I don't care. They're gonna they'll get tested by the Eagles and other teams for sure. But that was an impressive debut for Kellen Moore and for Dak Prescott on every level. And it, it's gonna be for every Cowboy fan that I posted about their offense yesterday, I haven't heard Cowboy fans this excited about an offense since North Turner was there. And the interesting thing about the Cowboys is when you're comparing them and the Eagles, because I think we both agree it's going to be a two-team race there for the division, you can probably make the argument the Eagles have more weapons on offense. They go three deep at receiver, two very good tight ends, a ton of really good running backs, and then we can debate the quarterbacks. But the interesting thing about the Cowboys is they probably have the best receiver in that division in Amari Cooper. Saquon Barkley is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott, but they're obviously in the same class. So the Cowboys do have that elite-level talent that the Eagles maybe don't have outside of Zach Ertz. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. But obviously with the Eagles, Carson comes out and has a huge game. NFC East is in very good hands with these two young quarterbacks. Uh, Seven touchdowns combined, almost 700 yards in opening week. So that's very exciting for all NFL fans that NFC East is going to be very competitive between those two. Who did you think had a better game, Dak or Carson? Well, I thought they were both really good. I mean, the, you know, yeah. the, the touchdown throws to Deshaun. I mean, Carson's staying in there, and he's waiting until, you know, 
uh, Deshaun is, you know, on top of Josh Norman and a breakdown on the other one. He could have thrown the other touchdown, the 53-yarder to Deshaun. Uh, he could have thrown it to Nelson Aguilar just the same. I mean, the Redskins completely broke down. But he stayed right there in the pocket. He stood tall. He delivered the hit, uh, the pass, and took the hit. Um, you know, they they came after Carson with a pretty fierce rush. Kerrigan was really good. The inside tackles pushed the pocket at times. Um, but Carson was was really strong, and that's his game. I mean, his, he's a big, deep ball thrower. He loves that, uh, and he was spot-on accurate with it. They were both – they run different offenses, and so I thought they were both good. But we knew going back three years ago that these two were going to compete head-to-head twice a year, maybe three times a year in the NFC, and they're always going to be compared against each other. And they were both competitive games last year. One went to overtime. Uh, one had some horrendous calls made in the game that went against the Eagles. But uh, th- these two games are going to be must-see TV. They're going to be two of the best games played in the NFL all year. So one thing that we can both agree is competitive is when you're looking for somebody to hire and you need to go get that perfect person. Because as you know, Baldy, you do have an empire built over there. Hiring can be a bit of a slow process. One person who found that out was Cafe Tour COO Dylan Miskowitz, who needed to hire a director of coffee. I'm sure you drink a lot of coffee with all the tape you watch. I had a few already so, here, Elliot. Exactly. I'm sure it's 24-7. So he went out. To, he went to ZipRecruiter, which is the only place you can go when you need to find a job. He sure. went to ZipRecruiter, posted his job, and found the best person available for the role in just a few days, probably quicker than you watch tape. That's how quick it took. How? ZipRecruiter's technology finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Baldy, one guy that people were doubting on, I thought he had one of the best lines of the weekend when talking about his performance, was Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. Five touchdowns, and he joked that was not bad for a running back. Probably the best line we'll get from a quarterback all season outside of maybe Baker coming away with one. I thought Lamar looked great. Obviously, Miami, not one of the best teams in the league, and I want to ask you a question about them soon, but how encouraging was Lamar Jackson's performance on Sunday? Well, he was he was spectacular. I mean, he had more highlights in one game than some guys will have in an entire season. Yeah. Um, and, and really, you have to credit Greg Roman uh, in what he is doing. The opening drive of the game, the Ravens literally lined up in um, unbalanced lines, three tight ends, fullback, and they just ran power football. They didn't want one, one read option. In fact, you know, uh, Lamar only ran the ball twice the whole day. I mean, he wasn't even a part of that of that game uh, as far as running the ball. Now, he will be in some other games. But they just ran power football in the opening drive, and they just they just pummeled the Dolphins. And then they came out in the first play of the second drive, and they faked a power run, and they ran a run-pass option. And Marquise Brown, the first time he touched the ball in this league, he went 47 yards for a touchdown. And the speed that he has – um, is like Tyreek Hill and like Deshaun Jackson, just a guy that if you're not going to play the game with a free safety, then let Lamar just throw it to an open patch of grass and let Marquise go get it. And that's what he did on two occasions. Uh, but he ran the offense. He was very crisp. His decision-making was sharp. The touch on the ball to Willie Sneed 
for the 33-yard touchdown is as good as it gets. The decision to basically throw Miles Boykin, the rookie from Notre Dame, open on a zero blitz with Bobby McCain coming right in the face of Lamar Jackson, where he's just kind of backpedaling and just going, all right, I'll throw it in the middle of the end zone. Nobody's there, but I'm going to trust my rookie Miles Boykin. will adjust, break the route, and go get it, and that's what he did. Um, every type of throw that you're asking him to make, he made. And he's developing, and it was spectacular to watch, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch as the season goes on. Yeah, it's funny after week one in a division that has Baker that had a lot of hype, Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in that division, maybe the best quarterback in the league last weekend outside of Mahomes and and Brady, and there were a lot of really good performances, but Lamar's was obviously great. One thing I've been waiting to ask you uh, as a former player is the Miami Dolphins. So there was a report that comes out that players were asking to be traded after the game because of how bad things went. Players weren't really in the locker room. As a former player, do you think it would be hard to play for the Dolphins right now? Because it's very obvious they're not trying to win. I mean, they're tanking. I think that's the right decision. I think you tank to get that quarterback and you rebuild from there. I like Josh Rosen, but clearly they don't since they're starting Fitzpatrick over him. As a player, would it be hard to suit up for the Dolphins right now? And how rough is it going to be for them to get through these next 15 games? It's going to be tough. It'd be hard. I played on a 115 team in Indianapolis when a lot of players just, you know, weren't professional about going about their business. And I tried my best as a leader, you know, extra meetings for the offensive line to go through protections and, and various scenarios. And, you know, the the guys fell off. They just weren't paying attention. And that's what's going to happen to Miami. If you thought the 59 point, uh, you know, drubbing that they had at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens was as bad as it gets. When you think it's as bad as it gets, it'll get worse. And so I'm not sure how the coaching staff keeps it together. Uh, It's not like the Sixers tanking back in the day in order to get, you know, Ben Simmons and JoJo Embiid. I mean, I I think it's different. Um, There's just a lot more people involved, and it can look a lot worse. And so the NBA, you know, you could get teams on the end of a six-game road trip, and they're just – uh, you you can't tell how competitive it really is. In the NFL, you can tell. And when they trade their best player away, Laramie Tunsil, he's their yeah. best player. And, you know, in, in less than a week, he's out there anchoring the Houston Texans out there and, and playing near-dominant football outside of one or two plays last night. Um, yeah, I was going to ask it, how you it, thought he looked. How how'd you think he looked? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw him take Marcus Davenport one time and just, like, throw him around like a rag doll. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a baby Huey right there six, six and 300 pounds and, and just disragged him. Um, he, 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 he is as good as there is at that position in this whole league. And ha- I mean, I said in the off season that I know teams that were willing to give up their first round pick and third round pick to get them and maybe more. And when the Texans gave up more, it didn't surprise me. And it didn't surprise other general managers when they evaluated his play. I mean, he's 24 years old and he's as good as there is in this whole business. So when you trade away their best player, and I'm sure everybody in that locker room thought, it'd be like the Eagles around Jason Peters when he first came to Philly. And they're like, mm-hmm. he's the best player in the, maybe the best player in the league, but he's best, he's definitely the best offensive lineman in the league. Like, you know, he had that sort of cachet early on. That's what Tunsil had. When you trade him away, and Kenny Stills away, your number one receiver, I mean, those two guys leaving that locker room, amongst everybody else that they let go. I mean, yeah, it's a clear-cut message of what they're doing. 
And I don't blame some of those guys for trying to get out if they can get out. Yeah, and so being here in Philadelphia, I saw the Sixers uh, rebuild, you know, firsthand. And one thing that held them together was Brett Brown. So definitely a lot of pressure on there, the front office and the coaching staff, to make sure that situation doesn't get too ugly. Uh, one of the other games I thought was one of the more interesting games of the weekend, not so much because of the score. I mean, the Vikings win 28-12. to The Falcons really never got anything to go against that Vikings defense. The Vikings defense looked amazing. They looked like maybe the best, maybe the best defense in the conference. Obviously, the Bears are going to be up there, but but they look really good. But what really surprised me was Kirk Cousins' ten pass attempts in that game, and he wins. I mean, I'm trying to think how far you would have to go back to find a quarterback that played the whole game, won the game easily, and only threw the ball ten times. I think you got to go back to Miami Dolphins winning a Super Bowl with Bob Greasy. I think he threw the ball nine times in that Super Bowl. I mean, it's the yeah. biggest departure. I mean, you got to go to one of the academies, you know, Army or Navy, to go watch a team throw the ball less than time, you know, ten times or less. Uh, but Dalvin Cook was sensational. Um, Adam Thielen went from being a Pro Bowl wide receiver to a Pro Bowl blocker in the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I give the Vikings credit uh, because they wanted to establish the run. They got Dalvin Cook going. They ran like literally once they went up 21 nothing. They they went into I formation, and they just wanted to hammer the Falcons and the defense. I, I think Zimmer knew the defense was on target. They had a great game plan. Um, you know Julio Jones and the whole crew didn't do anything until late in the fourth quarter. So I think once Zimmer said that he was giving the you know to um, letting the Kevin Stefanski, the offense coordinator, and Gary Kubiak. Uh, his assistant, uh, they were just saying, look, there's no need to throw it. Let's just, let's just, uh, you know, run this clock. Let's shrink this game. And uh, let's, uh, let's get to the, let's get on to the next week. So we, we talk a lot about running backs, their value, obviously Saquon, the number two overall pick, Ezekiel Elliott just got a huge contract. Todd Gurley got one last offseason, Le'Veon Bell. So there are running backs that get paid, but one name you never really hear when talking about the elite running backs is Dalvin Cook. And I think that's going to change this year. I thought he looked absolutely sensational against the Falcons. The, his burst out of the backfield, I know me and you both really liked him coming out of uh, FSU a few years ago. I think he's going to be in that elite level this year. He, his ability to make people miss, when he gets around that edge and gets going up the sideline, like there might not be a, or there's only probably a handful of quicker running backs in the league. Is Dalvin in that group of you know top five-ish game-changing running backs? Well, when he came out of Florida State, I mean, he came out with Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. I thought he was the best by far out of all of them. And he was off to a great start the first month, and then he tore his ACL. And when running backs are on the shelf for that long, they came back last year. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, he didn't look great to me last year. It's the best I've seen him look on Sunday. Yeah. In fact, he looked like that in the preseason, too. He looks quicker and stronger. He dropped his shoulder on Deion Jones and just trucked him. Um, when he had to uh, on Sunday after a 20-yard gain. Um, and Deion Jones can splatter people as well as anybody at middle linebacker. Uh, he just splattered him. And when he runs like – and he's a great receiver. He's a great uh, protector. I mean, he, he is a great football player. To put him in the category of Saquon and Zeke uh, I can't, or you know, Gurley, I can't do that yet because he hasn't done it for a season. Great backs have to do it over 16 games. They have to stay healthy. They have to be there in crunch time. I mean, we just got to see a lot more of them. But I thought he could be that kind of player. So I want to see more, you know, right now. Right now, 
you know, he looks like he could be like a Kamara. I don't think he can run route, routes like Kamara. But I think he could be every bit as good a runner as Kamara. And we just have to see it over a long period of time. So I'm leaving on Friday to go to Atlanta. I'm excited to see that stadium for the first time. Have you been there yet to that new stadium in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done all the games. I was, you know, there for the Super Bowl. And, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 a nice, it's a nice place. It really is. It's, you know, it's got, uh, you know, this, the circular screen up above. All the highlights will be up there. Uh, no, I mean, Arthur Blank built a, a real palace there. Yeah, so I've been to Jerry World. I haven't been there. I'm excited to see it. But I will say I thought that I would be going into a game between the Eagles and Falcons where I would be more impressed with the Falcons. I just, I mean, look, the Vikings are very good on defense. I think that was part of it. But the the Falcons, once again, all that talent on offense, and they just look lost. I mean, I know Steve Sarkeesian isn't there anymore. But, man, I was not impressed with that offense. How much of the Falcons' struggles do you think had to do with the Vikings or just maybe a larger pitcher problem? Well, they're trying to rebuild their offensive line with a couple of rookies, and they're just they're just not there. Um, it was not yeah. a good performance up front, and that's where it starts. I mean, they thought they're like the Indianapolis Colts. They could draft two guys in the first round and plug them and play them, and, um, you know, they'll get there. Now, you know, Lindstrom just does not look like a great player to me. It's early. I don't want to dismiss it. Um, but he has a heart. Like, he just doesn't stay on his feet the way elite linemen do. He's He's certainly not in anywhere near the category of a Will Hernandez and certainly not anything like uh, Quentin Nelson. And that's what they need him to be. Um, and Kalen McCary, uh, look, he, he missed all the preseason outside the last preseason game with a heart condition. Um, he's going to take a while to get going. They, they've got to be better up front for that offense to get going. Who do you like in week two, Eagles-Falcons? Well, these two teams, the last two times they played, I mean, it's come down to basically the last play. I mean, they have played close games. Uh, Always in I Philadelphia, not, too. That's true, but I have not been impressed. I was not impressed by the Eagles secondary by any stretch last yeah. week against the Redskins. I mean, they were horrible tackling. Um, obviously, the Vernon Davis, you know, touchdown. To watch Terry McLaren just run through him, and he, you know, and, and Case Keenum missed one, um, you know, against Sidney Jones. It should have been a touchdown of 70 yards. I mean, I was not impressed by how they covered and how they played. So they have to get a lot better. Now, they can cover that up if the rush gets better. I thought Barnett played well. I thought Fletcher showed some Fletcher-type play at times during the game, but we all know he's coming back off of a you know, pretty pretty severe injury where he missed all the time. So he's rounding himself into shape. But I got to see more from the defensive line of the Eagles to say that they could go down there and just take care of business, and I certainly got to see more from the secondary. Yeah, that, that was my biggest concern watching the Eagles. I mean – the Washington Redskins, I will say I was impressed with some of their receivers, uh, which could just be because Eagles secondary didn't play very well. But I think the Redskins receivers might be better than we initially thought. But the way Jim Schwartz does it, you mentioned Derek Barnett. They have to they have to get pressure with that front four. And what he loves to do is just put his cornerbacks on an island. Against Washington, they got burned. They were still able to get away with it. Against the Falcons, I'm not sure it's going to be possible. Obviously, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, they have a ton of weapons up there. So that could be a potential issue. But before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you, week two, what what games are you looking forward to? Because I know one I'm really excited for is Seahawks at Steelers. Steelers obviously need a win. Seahawks, one of the better teams in the NFC. Any games in the week two schedule that stick out to you? Well, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh for that game, and I'm looking forward to seeing oh, how Pittsburgh rebounds in front of their home crowd, and Seattle's traveling a great distance. So I'm interested in seeing that game a great deal. I'm interested in seeing Minnesota and Green Bay uh, to see just – what that division's 
is going to start to look like. We saw a great defensive effort by Green Bay, you know, last Thursday night. Um, and then, you know, I got to see if that offense is going to come around against what we saw, you know, from that defense. And so, I mean, those those are two games, along with, I think there's, you know, some other games here that we have to kind of pay attention to. You know, you I mentioned think that, Browns at Jets. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I want to see, um, you know, I want to see Chicago and Denver, just Chicago going into Denver with Vic Fangio there. They didn't play great uh, last night against the Raiders. You know, and then I think, you know, look, the New Orleans and Rams game, that's a rematch. And so you have to look at that game and see what goes on. And then Cleveland and the Jets on Monday night, I mean, one of those teams is going to be 0-2. One, you know, and with two new head coaches, you're 0-2 with a new head coach. You can feel like the sky is falling, and who can hold that together? Mm -hmm. Frank Wright did last year when they started 1-5. He held it together, and they came out of that funk. Uh, I got to see what happens on Monday night with Cleveland in New York. So the good news is we're going to have another pod this week to talk about week two. We'll be back on Thursday with another pod for you guys. But before we get out of here, Baldy, anything else from week one of your hours watching film that stuck out to you that we, we maybe didn't hit, hit on that you want to let the uh, prevent defense audience know about? Well, there was a time when Sammy Watkins was supposed to be the best receiver in the NFL coming out of college. And mm -hmm. we never have really seen it. You know, in all the stops in Buffalo and with the Rams, and but I saw it on Sunday against Jacksonville. I saw him physically abuse Jalen Ramsey. I saw a burst from Sammy Watkins I haven't seen since college. And Tyreek Hill went out of that game, and I don't know how long he's going to miss. But if Sammy Watkins plays like he did on Sunday, and he physically just throws defensive backs like Jalen Ramsey around like he did for that three-yard touchdown catch, and if Mahomes just does Mahomes things. I mean, I, I can't wait to watch Sammy Watkins the rest of the season with the way that he played. Because I kind of thought like Sammy Watkins was just relegated to number two or number three wide receiver duty. And he was anything but that last Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, his performance, obviously, Tyreek Hill going down. Sammy Watkins is going to be a huge player for them until Tyreek Hill gets back. And then I think McCoy is going to end up doing more for them. He he looked good in the few touches he did get uh, on Sunday, but I think now that he'll be there for more than a week, get some time to get more comfortable at offense, he'll be better. But we're going to look ahead I, to week I, two. In our, yeah, go ahead. Go I, ahead. This Bills yeah. defense is going to be a problem for a lot of teams just because Sean McDermott and what he does, I don't know that anybody does more than what he does. And it's it's the whole package. It's man. It's man zone. It's changing things up. It's pressuring the quarterback. They do so many things. I mean, the Jets averaged under five yards of pass in that game. I mean, Sam Darnold, who, I mean, they just could not get the ball down the field at all. And a lot of it was what Buffalo's doing on defense. And they've been drafting on defense, and they've drafted well on defense. And they are a handful to prepare for. Yeah, and I think Josh Allen looked a little better. I mean, he had the rushing touchdown, obviously the long touchdown pass to John Brown. So if he can come come around, the, I, look, the Jets. I don't. I'm not a big uh, Adam Gase guy. I like Sean McDermott better. So I think that if Josh Allen can come around, you could see them finish ahead of the Jets. And as you mentioned, one the Jets could be 0-2 this this uh, upcoming week. The Browns is a tough one. So we'll get into Week Two in our pod later this week. Baldy, I appreciate the time. Thank you to the yep. Prevent Defense audience. Go out there, tweet us, leave a review. We'll make sure we answer any questions you want. As you can hear, Baldy can talk about any play in any game and give you that breakdown. So 
Baldy, I will talk to you later in the week. Elliot, look forward to it, buddy.